Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. G'day and welcome to another episode of Young Family Small Business. In this episode, I interview Yiani Sapanos, who is the founder of HealthTechX and also Core Plus. Yanni is a passionate and motivated digital health innovator wanting to make a difference in the world by helping modernize and transform healthcare uh, with health tech and cultural innovation. As health tech's ex-founder and executive director, Yanni is building and leading a co-created and co-designed digital health innovation, education and startup community toward a vision of a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. Uh, for the last 10 years, he's also been growing an allied health patient practice management software called Core Plus, uh, which is can be found at coreplus.com.au with a mission to connect, help and grow allied health providers across Australia using their digital, unique digital health connected network approach. Uh, he's also a podcast host uh, and I, I met him actually in 2020 where he interviewed me uh, on a lot of the the, the COVID um, support for business owners, which was, was great and we've um, kept in touch since. It was really good. And, and a couple of things I, I really loved hearing Yanni's uh, journey, um, not only his, his business journey and starting out uh, working in his parents' business, but right through to his own health. Uh, like the, the reason why he started the, the businesses around healthcare, uh, which was so cool to see that connection with his personal journey and, and uh, really wanting to, to make a difference um, in that space. Um, yeah, I always appreciate not only um, Yanni's uh, you know, story and, and, and things he can add, here, but also the way that he he runs his own business, you know, his focus on systems, on 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 having a really good business mind, not just a great idea. <laughs> so yeah, I hope I hope everyone enjoys the the interview and um, uh, yeah, connects with what Yanni has to say. Thank you. Hey Yanni, so good to have you on the show, and and cool to actually be interviewing you for a change. That's um that's a cool thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited, Ben. It's and uh, thanks for having me along. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so yeah, the first question we always ask on the Young Family Small Business Podcast is tell us a bit about your family. So who's in your family and, and what do you like to do together? Okay. So, well, I'm, uh, I'm married and I have a, a little daughter who's five and a half years old and um, I love spending as much time as I can with her when I'm, I'm kind of blessed that um, I don't have an overly complicated life. I love what I do in business. I love being a family man, love being a husband and a father. So a lot of um, those decisions around what are we doing and stuff like that, as long as they involve those things, I'm, uh, I'm generally really happy. So, and, you know, we, we try and um, encourage a very outbound kind of life with, um, with Electra, introducing it to our extended family, our friendship circles, um, exercising a lot, uh, going to the park, uh, you know, really engaging it with the world around her. Oh, how good. And um like you, you run multiple businesses and I, I just yeah, have an appreciation for the, the detail and the systems that you, you use. I've, 
even for instance, me booking the podcast with you, um, probably a year or two ago now, it was just like admiration, like, wow, this guy has, uh, has sorted his stuff out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not going to make it stress-free. Um, so you, you've got businesses that you run, but then you've also got the family at home. How do you sort of, have you got any tips or rhythms that you do to um, build your relationship with Andrea, your wife? Oh, look, it's, um, it's an interesting question, you know, just as I was hearing your question, I kind of, it was evoking within me kind of um, a variety of moments, I think. I think it, I, I do lead a very busy life, but on the same token, I'm very optimized and very efficient with everything that I do. I don't waste time with things that don't energize me, you know, that don't mean something to me. Uh, and that was a lesson that I learned a lot younger in life where um, it was easy, you know, as a son of a migrant family to want to aspire towards um, you know, business or have a relationship with business that was primarily centered on making money. And it came a time in my life where I realized that's actually not the right motivation. And I know that's going to be counterintuitive for, uh, for accountants and uh, people who are very uh, into the advice around the, um, the financials of business. But I, I learned that you know, the, the ideas of business are really built around how you care for people, how you care for other people, and really having that as part of your driver you know, part of your connection with why you're doing something. And then it doesn't seem as much work after that. It seems to be naturally aligned with who you are. And, and that was kind of a thought that I had going in the back of my mind. I remember when I met Andrea, my wife, in the early days, um, she noticed that I, my commitment to, you know, to my business life. And you know, that was a little bit confronting for her. And you know, we, we sat down as a couple and sort of had a talk about that. And you know, I could feel her concerns and fear around what that might mean for a relationship. You know, in that context, and and I remember saying to her, "You sort of you got to accept people for who they are and how they are." And I think when it comes to being a a business person or having that kind of entrepreneurial energy within you, the way I kind of explained it to her, I said, "Look, if I was a a poet, I would be writing poetry a lot. You know, if I was a um, painter, there would be canvases and brushes and colours all over the place. It's an expression of who I am." Now, I happen to be somebody who's wired up around helping people and solving problems, and I'm particularly good at business systems and thinking about creating solutions um, in a business system environment. So I found my natural strength and um, how I can actually express myself in that way to give me the fulfillment uh, that I'm making an impact and I'm serving other people and adding value to them in that respect. But I don't generally see it as work. I see it as an expression of who I am. Oh, fantastic. And I think having those conversations kind of early on would definitely help. Um, you know, just, yeah, I guess that, that sort of sets standards or expectations that, um, yeah, might, might actually be quite functional in a relationship. I, I think it's really helpful. I mean, I'm not, not providing uh, marital advice, but um, I, can, I can remember uh, seeing, you know, how my parents and, uh, and their peer group approached, uh, you know, work and business, and it was sort of driven around making money. And that kind of made sense to a degree, but um, it's not really connected with meaning and purpose. And some people can do it really, really successfully. They can have no passion or love for their business and do really, really well. Mm. Um, I'm not wired up that way. For me, it has to be connected with meaning and purpose. Um, the side effect of living in a monetary economy is that people recognize the value you add by paying your, your service fees or buying the goods off you or whatever the case is. So that's why we tend to think of it as all about making money. But really at the heart of it, if you sort of said, look, what would the world look like if there was no money? You know, do we all just not get up? Do we not get out of bed every day? 
And uh, I would, and I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing now. So uh, it's kind of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a slight pivot in thinking around why, why am I doing anything? And that you've got to find that harmony with the other things that you love, such as your, you know, your partner and your life, your children, other hobbies and interests that are going on in your life. Um, it shouldn't be uh, a grudge activity, you know, that you're getting out of bed every day. It's like, ah, oh, I have to go and, you know, I have to go to work. Ah, oh, I've got to go and open up the doors. Yeah. That's not an ideal scenario. Yeah, and I think sometimes, I, I mean, my, my business journey um, has had some awful moments, even months or, you know, longer than that at a time uh, where it has been a bit of a, we call it a, oh, here we go again, uh, yep. you know, uh, grudge, as you said. But, yeah, I, it reminds me of a, um exercise I did oh, maybe a few years ago now where the question was, if, if money was no, no object, what would life look like? Like, what would you actually get up and do? And it was interesting that, you know, it was help people well the language i used was clients but you know help clients grow their business understand their their numbers better focus on you know balancing you know the the energy they put into their their business versus what's taken away so to speak from from the family side so yeah and it was you know deliver workshops webinars um help our team provide value to clients so yeah similarly it's almost like it, it sounds like from what you're saying you've you've retired in a way where this is probably you forever like in the the things that you're doing um you, you'll just continue doing 100 yeah 100 I, I resonate with what you're saying i don't see mm. what i'm doing as something that i'm going to be doing until 65 and then all mm. of a sudden i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> you know because i think a lot of people think about work like that they just go oh, what yeah. am i going to do until i retire and it's like well how about you start the whole way you know mm. because um i know life's short and secondly you know if you really hate doing something, life can actually be pretty long. <laughs> you know? mm. So you don't want to be getting up every day just feeling depressed or unhappy with um, the activities that you're pursuing just to make money, just to be able to get to retirement and then do something that actually is probably a better fit for you. So yeah, I, I, I resonate with that. And I know it's easier said than done because there was a time in my life where I didn't get this and I didn't understand it. But when I had my own sort of breakthroughs with it, it's mm. just been all, all just expansion and much better, you know, health-wise, fitness-wise, mental health, you know, it's body-mind just improved, you know, losing weight, higher energy, clarity of thought, better relationships around me. It's just so many good things come from connecting with what's getting out of bed every day. And I know it's not just one thing, but if you're going to put your time into serving others, do it so that it, it's, it comes from a position of um, immense personal satisfaction and joy so that it's reflected in the quality of what you do and how you go about doing it, at which point you're going to get validated and fed back from the world around you that you're doing a great job and, and they'll reward you with money. As long as we're in a monetary economy, maybe one day we won't be and they'll reward, they'll reward service providers with something else. But that's the way it tends to work right now. Yeah, for sure. Really cool. And, and I'm, I think about my own family because my, my dad and my grandfather were in business and uh, you know, I kind of both saw both of them invest, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks, like a lot. Um, and, you know, I, hey, I better be working versus not to provide for the family. And yeah, look, looking at that, it's probably not the way I I would do it now. It's, it's not because I'm not doing that. But did you ever get tension between your, your, your parents or your family for just a different way of doing things? Or did that not ever? Oh, it, definitely, it definitely came up. It was probably uh, a great 
foundation, I guess, in learning what not to do in some ways. You know, I, I come from a, a migrant family upbringing. Uh, my parents came from Greece to Australia and um, Greece economically was not great. Uh, and so for them getting jobs and, and doing work, the, the duty and responsibility of it was, um, you know, very much paramount and kind of instilled into us as children, uh, you know, three children in our family. So um, when it came, they um, did inevitably exit sort of, you know, government jobs and kind of um, roles that were kind of placed upon them as a result of the immigration uh, pathways that they were sort of on. But at some point, they ended up going into a small business. And, um, you know, back in the day, things like um, takeaway foods and mini markets were quite common and things of that nature. And you could just see that for them, it was trading time, you know, and that could be a 12, 13 hour day, um, seven days a week. And um, there wasn't a lot of thought on the business. It was just basically really just performing the rituals of um, opening the doors daily, you know, looking at stock control making changes there. If reps came in, that sound might sound like it's a good idea. So a lot of other people were manifesting their visions through those kinds of businesses at that point in time. And, and so they were sort of not really fully in control of their destiny. They really didn't have a vision. It was more about just going through those motions because that's what business meant to them. That's what it was. It was different to going to the job. They felt some sense of ownership. Those things were kind of important, but they weren't really executing some kind of bigger vision that meant something to them it was more about, you know, just doing that all day, every day. And uh, that taught me in some parts, you know, what not to do, but there were some good things. There were some yeah. basic things like making sure they were buying low and putting a margin on things and, and selling high. So you don't want to be um, spending more, on, you know, than what it costs you to recover from a customer, you know, things of that nature. They didn't like recruiting and uh, didn't <laughs> like hiring. so. That's why you work 12, 13 hours a day um, yeah. because, um, you know, there's, there was a limitation there in that. And some of that was just not feeling comfortable with um, having other people in that kind of business domain uh, that they were involved with, but also uh, not really knowing how to do it, you know, because there's, there was a distrust or perhaps uh, not being comfortable with um, their limitations in English. And, uh, you know, there were, there were always reasons that seemed to get in the way, but all that translated to was just longer days and always working. And so that, you know, that creates stress, it's anxiety, it's pressure, not a good place to be as a human being, not in a chronic sense anyway. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and I think that actually sets our chat up really nice because, you know, I've got a bit of context to what you've, you've done. Um, but that, yeah, that's, that's cool to know that background. And so um, could you walk us through what your journey was from, let's say, you know, school or uni onwards to, um, to just before you started Core Plus. I'd, I'd love to sort of get that part of your journey. Yeah. Look, from school, I, I went to uni as a mature age student. And what that meant is that I didn't finish my year 11 or 12 qualifications. I grew up in Tasmania. So it was called matriculation at that point in time. I think uh, VCE is what it's called now um, mm. in most other states. Uh, so I, di I didn't I didn't qualify for university straight out of uh, college, so to speak. And so I was on a track where I was uh, supporting my parents in their small business. And um, although I did have a customer one time who uh, was a salesperson in a, um, a motor vehicle dealership and uh, uh, he was um, waiting for an, an order one Friday night, I was preparing his um, fish and chips at the time. Um, <laughs> used to be pretty good at making hamburgers with a lot then. And uh, he, uh, he was talking to me about... Um, 
sales and cars and what have you. And I, I was, you know, sort of a cheeky teenager at that point in time. And I sort of put to him that I'm, I'd probably outsell him if he got me on the lot. And uh, around about a, a month later, he came back and he said, um, you reckon you can still outsell me? And I said, yeah, yeah, of course I can. And he said, well, we've got a role if you want to come across and, um, and start with us. And I spoke to dad and he thought it was a good idea. So before you knew it, I was out of fish and chips and I was selling used cars <laughs> and, <laughs> and starting to learn a lot about um, finance and, um, you know, structuring deals for, for clients who are purchasing cars and working with their, um, uh, their ability to service those loans and things of that nature. It was pretty amazing. You know, I was sort of 17, 18 at the time oh, wow. uh, going into that space and I did perform really well. And, um, but when it came to uni, that sort of happened uh, uh, a little bit later. Uh, I was about 24 uh, or thereabouts. And so I was a good four or five years behind my peer group, you know, who would sort of come straight from college into uni and then onwards into their career. But I'd been out in small business. I'd seen the way mum and dad did it. I'd, I didn't like seven days a week. I didn't like 12, 13 hours a day. You know, I, I, I kind of didn't think that selling used cars for the rest of my life was going to be <laughs> a thing for me. So I took on a commerce degree and uh, uh, my mind just blew up. I just couldn't believe how, how the world changed. I just started to see everything um, in, in, in different, in so many different ways, whether it was economics, whether it was accounting, whether it was finance, uh, whether it was uh, marketing or management. There were just so many things that really expanded my consciousness. And I developed this real sort of passion for learning about new things. And uh, uh, that was sort of coinciding with the emergence of the internet. It was very early days. And uh, I guess as um, fate would have it for me, I, I did graduate with really good results. And, um, and I was selected by a multinational firm to um, bring me to Melbourne. Uh, so at that point in time, I was still living in Tasmania and I was recruited by a firm called KPMG. Hey. <laughs> and uh, they, they set me up in, in a career path um, where I was providing uh, global economic consulting to multinationals and uh, working through um, you know, various corporate structuring and um, sorting out IP and trademarks and royalties and, and then setting up sort of cost models between uh, related parties. And that expanded my consciousness to a whole other level. Um, so I started to understand business in a, in a completely different way. But I had very early exposure to some clients who were in a very technically advanced field. Uh, one of my clients was uh, Electronic Arts, which a lot of people would know from EA Sport doing the yeah. FIFA franchise and, and a whole bunch of other stuff um, in that area. And that, um, that was another just amazing mindset expansion on what this thing called the internet could possibly achieve for us uh, in creating sort of, you know, virtual service models and virtual communication models and a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then that led into uh, then getting into a tech startup. Mm. And uh, almost regretting that, let me tell you, for the first year. <laughs> uh, what year was that? Are we talking about? Uh, that would have been 99. Um, okay. Wow. 99, okay, thereabouts. Yeah, very early. Yep. Bit of water under the bridge since then. <laughs> but the tech startup was really the baptism of fire. That was, uh, that was completely uncharted territory. There was, mm. there was no money. It was completely bootstrapped. I wasn't entirely in control. I, I, I got involved in a small group of founders and um, that was probably the, the most pivotal part of my life because of um, the intensity of trying to grow a business where you haven't got a clearly defined customer, you haven't got a clearly defined business plan, you haven't got a clearly defined product. 
you haven't got a clearly defined price list, you know, you have to figure all that out. Uh, yeah. And um, for those people who have done startups, this, this probably makes sense, but that, that constant feedback from different people that you speak to sort of shaping your thinking on what is it, you know, that is needed here was a sort of a blessing and, um, and a real challenge um, in the process. Uh, but yeah, that took me off my sort of more formal career path and set me off into the wild of the internet. Yeah, very cool. And so how, how long were you in the wilderness, so to speak, <laughs> um, until you decided to, to start Core Plus? Well, there was, there was a few years between sort of that tech startup and um, um, having, some, uh, having some success in being able to exit. Uh, a little bit further down the road. Uh, so, um, you know, that particular startup, I, I call it my baptism of fire because there were a lot of things that went wrong, but there were some things that went right as well. And on balance, in terms of being able to achieve an exit and put, put aside some, some working capital to be able to then take some time and reflect on the next move, that was a good outcome. It was, it was sort of positive. Mm. Uh, but it taught me a lot about partnerships and co-founders and you know, um, <laughs> surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at some things and you're better than them at other things. And, um, you know, things that really have written my, you know, informal playbook on how I go about doing things today. They're all kind of little steps that uh, have written a set, of, um, a set of sort of principles and rules that I now apply uh, even to this day to make sure that you never get the negatives and you take advantage of the positives as much as possible. But, um, I went from that tech startup into another tech startup, and um, within five or so years, I was running a portfolio of tech startups. So um, five businesses. Um, I was partnering with different people, and um, uh, was looking at putting together sort of a central service model where the financial and administrative services supporting those startups was being done behind the scenes, and that way we were sort of dealing with um, managing debtors and payables and. Um, sort of virtual CFO before it became the concept that it is today. It was like it was really early days back then, but it was it was basically just doing a shared services model behind these tech startups to really support the founders to be able to focus on product and um, and be able to interact with the world. That burnt me out. <laughs> that burnt me out, and I I encountered um, my own healthcare issues through that process. Yeah. I had um I had some success in that portfolio, and um and I, and I had a failure as well, quite a quite a big one. Um, fortunately, more successes and failure, but again, just learned so much about what not to do and then focus on what to do. But interestingly enough, and getting back to what I said earlier, is when I had my health issue, that was an 11-month journey through the healthcare system. And at that point in time, I was actually quite staggered what a bad experience it was for me to be a consumer of healthcare services, not at a one-to-one level, but more about the whole system of healthcare when I was moving through different points of care. Um, and how I had to do so much heavy lifting in order to bring these teams of people who didn't work for the same company. They all worked for different companies and individually did a great job, but it was, it was the whole healthcare system was just so cumbersome and clunky and difficult for me to not only navigate with, but also engage with. And that left a real deep impression on me. So as I got back to health, that uh, followed uh, a lot of uh, soul searching and that led to basically me deciding that I didn't want to be doing any tech anymore. I didn't want to be doing stuff just for, for business sake. I wanted to make a difference on healthcare at a system level. Um, and that led to um, the establishment of Core Plus and, uh, and building a, a practice management system that is completely digital, that can support uh, communication 
between uh, different points of care and also make it easier for uh, clients to be able to engage with those health practices, our customers now, in an online capacity so that uh, relationship can be transported quite easily if necessary. Healthcare information can be shared and uh, it's a lot easier for the recipient of the healthcare services to be able to navigate and work with a multidisciplinary type approach to to their own healthcare. Wow, that's... um... That is pretty impressive, and I, I actually haven't had a look at the um, at the product in depth over the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm sure it's changed a lot through there. But I first saw Core Plus maybe in 20, 2013 or fourteen. We um, we had a client, um, a psychologist who was quite paper based in in their accounting, but also their practice management, and um, and that was when Zero was coming out with its um you know ecosystem of add ons and, and things like that. And I um yeah I, I sort of Core Plus. Uh, stood out and uh, started exploring it, and we ended up transferring that client to to there. And she's still using it today. Um, for some reason, I'm still getting <laughs> the actual subscription invoices to my inbox and passing them through to her bookkeeping thing. But anyway, um, like it's cool to see that she's grown with it um, uh, as well. But um, so, could could you maybe sort of tell us a little bit more about like who's Core Plus built for? Like what what sort of serv- medical service providers or health service providers? Yeah, we, we um, generally describe our immediately addressable market as um, allied healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from an Australian context, what that means is that um, they're generally involved with uh, mental healthcare, physical therapy or musculoskeletal uh, therapy, diet and wellness across a variety of settings, such as private practice uh, or clinics, uh, mm-hmm. home care, itinerant or mobile healthcare, aged care, disability, and it breaks into generally, you know, ARPA recognises uh, a dozen or so practitioner types that fall under that banner, but there are also self-regulated professions in the industry that also fall under that banner as well, including registered nurses now who are part of the ARPA registration status. And ARPA is the regulator for certain health uh, types, uh, roles uh, in Australia. So it encompasses, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the workforce who fall under that banner and work across those different settings supporting Australians. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a big field. What we saw is um, the medical profession being GPs and specialists and consulting specialists in hospitals and day surgeries. That was a very uh, difficult market to innovate in. It's highly regulated. Um, it's really driven around item number incentives within the Medicare framework, and it's quite quite lucrative roles. And so things like innovating uh, at a business system level aren't really the biggest problem that exists for a lot of that uh, industry. There are other things to, um, to worry about. But what we saw is in the allied health community is that um, you have people who are owning businesses and running businesses and practice managing who have all the risk and responsibility of being recognized as healthcare professionals but don't have quite the same funding and support as some of those other health professions that I I mentioned a little bit earlier. So they're basically small business people with the burden of having all that risk and responsibility of um, operating in the healthcare. Uh, You know, and some simple examples of that would be just the way the privacy legislation works in Australia. The only type of business that doesn't have a minimum revenue threshold applied to it under the statute uh, in order to comply with um, privacy principles are healthcare businesses. So yeah. whether you're turning over $1 or many millions of dollars, you still have to comply with those uh, 
those burdens under the legislation for privacy. Whereas for every other business in the country, it's only when you hit $3 million turnover and above that mm. those burdens sort of fall upon your business. So that's sort of an example where, you know, we felt that providing not only good quality clinical information system, but also support around how to run a business better mm. at a system level using not just our core system, but also the add-ons that we've added to the platform, the pluses as we call them, mm. is a big part of what Core Plus offers our customers. Uh, and it helps them to not only run their own businesses better, but also be able to communicate with each other. And, uh, and which goes back to the original hypothesis, uh, you know, yeah. providing for better patient experiences. And so if I'm a, a, a patient that has like multiple different care needs, is what you're saying, if, if, they're using, if they're all using Core Plus, they can share my data and, and like ideally get a better outcome for me. Or oh, I don't have to explain this uh, same story three times. How, how is is that the kind of the thing there? Yeah, the the type of tools we provide um, ensure that when they're capturing when when you go to a health practice, you're able to enter your details in once, and then that gets mm. captured inside the practice. And within the practice, that can be easily shared to the extent that it's necessary. But that can be easily mm. shared with other uh, members of that practice. So that's sort of scenario A. What happens within the four walls of this practice, whether it's you know, a bricks and mortar clinic or a virtual clinic. Mm. Then there's other points of care. And what we've done is we've achieved a, um, a nationally um, accredited um, standard for protecting privacy and uh, doing it in a very secure way where, uh, for example, you might have, um, you might start your journey with one health professional. Um, so I guess to keep it simple, it's the GP. And the GP uh, figures out that, you know, you might benefit from seeing a physio and or um, a psychologist and or a dietitian. There might be a variety of different professions that are seen to be potentially beneficial for you to support your own health goals. Mm. And when that happens, uh, the GP now is able to do a, a directory lookup to find Core Plus customers mm. uh, based on name, provider number, specialization, subspecialties, location, and even whether they're telehealth enabled. And um, and effectively send your details, demographics, some of your clinical history that's relevant to that referral and that transfer, and also direct you then on where you need to go next in your journey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we we get some of that through the traditional model. You know, the GP will say, I think you need to see a X and mm -hmm. might give you a piece of paper and then leave you to go off and kind of figure that out for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. But how many times have we experienced where we ring that specialist and they haven't got availability for three months and then you sort of, you know, you're back to the GP and you're trying to figure out if you can change the names on your letters and do all that yeah. kind of stuff because people don't know that, you know, the, the referral letter can actually be transposable into different specialisations. So that system of referral is very mm. clunky in the absence of digital first thinking. And what we've done is really made that easier so that it's not just data that can be shared, but it's also the concierging through different points of care that make it for a better uh, customer experience as you're navigating through the different skills that are needed to help you with your with your health goals. Yeah, wow. And, and is that that's kind of the part of your why of your experience for those 11 months you, you had challenges? That's kind of really hitting the nail there, is it? It really is. Uh, you know, I had a firsthand understanding of the problems um, and then that was subsequently validated when I did my own business analysis and went out and surveyed people and spoke about it uh, and eventually um, started working with health professionals to understand what it was like on their side of the fence because you know, humans as well, having a human experience. So being able to actually make it a, a better experience for them as well 
has been, you know, part of the art of moving Core Plus from that original idea to where it is today and just really um, uh, focusing on all the workflows and the efficiencies that we can achieve to make it f- make what used to be a quite a heavy personal exertion career into something that can actually scale a little bit better and also work remotely, which um, I'm particularly excited about. I think that's kind of the next generation of modernizing healthcare. Yeah, okay. And, and so like if you're a, um, actually know, know someone in this position, but if you're a psychologist just starting a practice, it's just you, is, is Core Plus pretty much one of the only software things you, you might need because it does things like, you know, even take the, the initial questionnaire from the client, you can sort of take payments and that sort of thing through Medicare and, and Bupa or, or sorry, that's private health, um, like that sort of thing. It does that as well. So to write yep. through to even, like I know we, we use Zoom as an accounting firm, but is there like some sort of inbuilt um, web conference things like telehealth that it's capable of as well? Yeah, it is. It's really, um, it, whether you're a startup, you know, sole proprietor or whether you're a large, complex, multidisciplinary, multi-site health practice, Core Plus is, um, is a system that you can use across the board. And that's why we call it Core Plus. It's a core system. Uh, it's designed to uh, deal with all the essential things that are needed for any healthcare business in mental, physical, and nutritional health and wellness. And within what we observe, and it probably wouldn't surprise you in your role, Ben, is that anyone who starts a business, they don't know what they should know day one. That <laughs> takes time. It takes experience. It takes advice from people like yourself. So, you know, there's a difference between being a business owner day one and being a business owner in year 10, in year 20, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of water under the bridge. So, but you don't need to know it all day one, um, but you need a starting point. And, you know, Core Plus provides a great starting point where perhaps the first thing that's of interest to a startup is getting online bookings available, having an intake process, sorting out telehealth for that first appointment or even an in-person type of appointment managing how the clinical notes go into the system, setting reminders and the next appointment, and kind of just getting that basic service model right. As that business starts to grow, it then starts to deal with cash flow issues. So, you know, making sure it gets paid in time from the major medical insurers, such as Medicare or private health insurance, national disability insurance scheme, aged care, even EFT and credit card, all of those um, capabilities for getting paid are a core part of a modern health practice. So we include uh, native features and integrations to support that. It actually is a secondary meaning of the word core. We we break it into an acronym as um, C-O-R-E, which stands for cash flow, online add-ons, referrals, and e-health. And so in addition to the innermost part of something, it's a core system, but it's also about getting all your cash flow sorted to make sure you're getting paid from the right insurers and the right uh, sources when it comes to delivering your services in a timely manner. So you don't have extensive debtor management risk and delays in your cash flow and things of that nature to, um, uh, being able to flex and scale with your own business growth. So, um, that's where the online add-ons come into it around the platform, uh, to be able to, um, be part of a, uh, kind of a syndicated healthcare system where patients can be referred to you which by the way, is one of the lowest cost ways to acquire new clients in healthcare. I've been evangelizing this for many years, but it still blows my mind how many people spend top dollar on advertising their way to new client acquisition in healthcare. But you only need to look at the national statistics on population health management to know that the demand exists. It's just they're not being referred as efficiently and effectively as they could be 
so yeah, you need marketing, you need advertising, but you should also be building partnerships with um, other healthcare providers within your community and your vicinity, because when they send you a new client, that costs you $0 on Core Plus. Whereas when you go off to Google and get a referral from Google, it's costing you $100, $200 per new client. So there's a lot to be said for being connected in a digital health network uh, through the referral uh, programs that we actually offer. And finally, E for eHealth, that's compliance, privacy, security, conformance with workflows and the handling of um, clinical information within the healthcare settings. So there's, there's a, lot, a lot of value in the product, but as a startup, usually it's about getting the basics right. And that's what we actively encourage and help our customers to get right. But as they start to evolve and grow in their business, the other things get turned on systematically over time. So we scale with, it, with our customer. Yeah, cool. That's um, yeah. As I said, I get excited over the systems approach to it. It's, it's um, yeah, fantastic. And in terms of um, like just just sort of if you could sort of highlight the other things you do because I know there's health tech X um, and, and maybe maybe more as well. So um, did you kind of yeah just just run us through the idea of what you're doing apart from uh, Core Plus and you're fascinating. Well, <laughs> health <laughs> tech X, yeah. Health tech X is. Uh, what, what I noticed a few years ago, actually for probably for most of the time with um, Core Plus up until that point in time, is that innovation was really lagging in the healthcare sector. What we're finding is that a lot of um, our customers were using technology that wasn't really designed for healthcare. So some examples of that would be allied health practices that are using Trello to manage tasks within their team you know, okay. or alternatively using Slack to deal with um, asynchronous communication amongst team members. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or even using things like Skype to do uh, telehealth type services or online meetings. Mm-hmm. They're all products that clearly there was demand for it uh, from the community, uh, but nobody had really translated the functionality or those use cases, as we call it in, in tech terms, into um, products designed specifically for healthcare. Hmm. And, and that matters because, sure, there's a lot of tech out there. It's relatively easy to subscribe to. Uh, but what tends to happen then is um, you've got silos of data within your business all over the place. And yeah. you know this through the Zero ecosystem. One of the, one of the major value propositions with Zero is to have that tightly integrated ecosystem of applications that in effect become you know, kind of a business culture that you can bolt on and then train your receptionist on how to do this and train your bookkeeper on how to do that and so on. You know, you can actually configure your organizational chart through the actual software decisions that you make and mm-hmm. commit to that as far as um, training your organization on how to operate more streamlined, you know, over time. So I wasn't really seeing that growing. And, you know, when you've got a business strategy called Core Plus mm-hmm. and you're begging the market of developers out there and innovators to come forward and actually integrate with you in a sense, I felt like um, I needed to be um, part of um, energizing that sector. And so HealthTechX was born with a vision to achieve a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. And that thesis comes about because the academic world has really produced some magnificent um, scientific findings over the years in uh, the areas of uh, digital health and what's evolving to be now digital therapeutics which are all built around the advances in behavioural science and technology to support people to achieve behavioural change over a period of therapy or over a period of time 
that uh, gets them back to health or to achieve some kind of health outcome. So as a core system, you can't be all things for everyone. So what we look for is finding those niche clinical engagement models uh, in the digital health world, leveraging the academic findings for digital health therapeutics and digital health services. And, and the community is really about attracting innovators in that space and saying, you know, are you an innovative health provider? Are you an innovative health tech developer? Are you an advisor such as you, Ben? Are you an investor? Why don't we get those four perspectives together and co-design and co-create minimum viable products that we can test and validate with real-world scenarios and determine whether there's um, everybody agrees there's, there's value in this, value for the recipient of healthcare, value for the healthcare professional, value for the founders who are looking at solving this problem. And then through that, we can uh, graduate those ideas into either good old-fashioned integration, okay, because we now have signals from the market that this is what's needed and here are the reasons why it's needed, or alternatively, we potentially could back um, startup founders to, um, to put a new business system into the market and allow that to become part of the integration fabric that um, makes it a lot easier for customers going forward. So that's Health Tech X. So it's co-design, co-create, co-launch are the general um, uh, elements of the uh, model. It's a community strategy. It's about crowdsourcing ideas. It's about crowdsourcing equity, capital, resources. It's thinking outside the box to stimulate innovation in this space and kind of break the mold, you know, because there's too much emphasis at the moment on doing pitch nights or doing 12-week courses on how to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on and it's fine, yep. but we're still seeing a lot of startups fail and not get off the ground. I'm of the school of thought that just because statistically startup founders might raise capital 3% of the time, it doesn't mean the other 97% of ideas are bad. It just means that they just couldn't get resources. So maybe there's 5, 10, 15, 20% of those ideas that could really make an impact on our lives if only we could bring them into existence, you know, with some, with some lateral thought. So that's kind of what the Health Tech X idea is. It's a work in progress and it is a community collaboration type process. And we do some events and education. Um, I host a podcast there called Reimagining Healthcare and bring people from those four perspectives to come along and talk about um, how we're reimagining healthcare in that, in that domain and in that space. Yeah, fantastic. Is that, that um, yeah, that's definitely on the front, front foot. And I see how that ties in with your, your journey. That's um, no, very, very cool, mate. Uh, and like, I think we're, we're sort of close to, to time, but um, as I said, I always learn stuff talking with you, um, you know, having a look at the, the different businesses you've created um, and um, yeah, just appreciate you even the chat we had earlier it's um yeah it's cool so th thanks mate i um yeah really value um you know being able to reach out to you and have a chat uh, and i i'm sure our listeners would have got um some some cool value out of that too so thank you i really appreciate the opportunity ben thank you mate uh, thanks and, and if anyone wants to find out a bit more information where, whereabouts should we go to um yeah to do that well, if you want to engage with me directly, uh, my LinkedIn profile is the best place to um, uh, just uh, hit me up, connect, send me a direct message. And, uh, you know, we can always do an introductory and, and sort of take things from there. If it's digital health practice management, um, I've got a fantastic team at Core Plus. Um, it's as yep. simple as landing on coreplus.com.au. So that's core, C-O-R-E, plus, P-L-U-S.com.au and start a trial 
engage with our chat team online and they'll help you get everything set up uh, for, for your own onboarding uh, to being able to take advantage of those features um, straight away. Uh, fantastic. All righty. Well, we'll, we'll pop, pop those links in the show notes. And, um, and again, thanks very much, mate. Appreciate the time. And um, yeah, you have a good, good week. Thanks, Ben. Much appreciated. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guest, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker CA, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again and see you next time.